Hi everyone, welcome to It's a Movement's first ever podcast. In light of everything that's going on right now, we thought it was a great um, time for us to kick off our podcast series. And this third po- first podcast is looking at the black outcry in light of COVID-19, police brutality and racism. And um, there's three of us on here with the ISSA Movement team, so we're just going to go around and introduce ourselves. I'm Lola, I'm one third of ISSA Movement, and um, aside from ISSA Movement, I'm a trainee solicitor, and I'm also an appropriate adult for the Youth Justice Service, and a mentor as well for um, social mentoring work. Hey guys, um, <laughs> sorry. <coughs> hey guys, I'm Paula. Um, I'm another side of ISSA Movement. I'm founder and CEO. Um, outside of ISSA Movement, I work in digital marketing and I also have a footwear company for ladies that wear a UK size 7 plus. So if you want to hear more about that, let me know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much it from me. That's my intro. Um, hi guys, I guess that leaves me. Um, I'm Jane. I'm the last part of um, It's a Movement. I, apart from It's a Movement, I work as um, HR and what else do I do? I recently started a hairline company. So if you need hair stuff, let me know. We've all introduced ourselves. Um, I suppose it's best to just get straight into it. <laughs> um, I've not really set out any cue cards or anything because I just want us to talk freely. But mm-hmm. um, the first thing is, you know, let's just all give our brief opinion about what we think is going on at the moment. Um, we can start with you, Jane, since you've just finished your introduction. Um, oh, I feel like there's a lot going on. There's, there's just, it's one thing after the other. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID, then the whole police brutality stuff, um, George Floyd, um, the world coming together against injustice. Um, that's pretty much what I'll sum it up in. So we've had COVID, that's shut everybody at home. Then we just had um, an influx of people being attacked by police or just random people, like um, the lady that got spat on, um, which I'm still waiting for something to be done. Mm. And then the world coming together, literally to fight injustice. And I think it's also flushing out a lot of things that people have been trying to hide so it's been an interesting couple of weeks mm-hmm. Tell me. it's been an interesting year i feel like this is the year of some revelation or something because yeah. it's like a revolution year like i just feel like it's so funny because you know everyone they were always like um coming into 2020 they were like oh um thanks 2019 for being the worst year ever whatever onto bigger and better things in 2020 and it's like well now this is 2020, this is your 2020, like you were it was going to be such a fantastic year, and I've seen a lot of memes around that too, but like, literally, I feel like since this year started, it's just been madness after madness after madness, mm. because do you guys remember there was World War Three apparently as well, that was yeah. and it's like, <laughs> wow, so first World War Three with Donald Trump, then um, the pandemic, and now this Black Lives Matter movement, it's just what's going to be next. Mm. I know, but I don't think it's a bad thing this year. Like, no, I don't, yeah. I don't think so. people that are saying, oh, you know, I'm moving on to bigger and better things. This mm. exactly it's, like, mm. it's not happened. I think this year has been a year for bigger and better things, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I think it's bigger and better, just not in the manner in which we expected it to be. <laughs> like, yeah. I think it's, <laughs> it's, I, I don't know about you 
guys, but did anyone feel like 20, there was something about 2020 that seemed that it was going to be very impactful? Yeah. That's how I felt moving into 2020. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's because of the way it sounds. Like 2020, yeah. it's like, wow, like mm-hmm. new decade. Yeah. And it just has like a real ring to the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely was going to live up to it. <laughs> what was that? Oh, I said, no, I definitely thought it was going to be a good year. But I always feel quite pumped going into a new year like I'm always excited and as much as like there's been a lot of madness going on for me personally I it's not been a bad year for me and I know you know with the pandemic we were in lock well we are kind of still in lockdown at the moment um, and we're not allowed to go out but I just feel like I've been so productive during this pandemic I've been able to connect with people that I wouldn't have been able to connect with and even this Black Lives Matter movement I just feel like it's it's something that even if it didn't happen now, I feel like eventually it would have happened because the injustices that black people face are just ridiculous. Even in 2020, it's like, come on, something needs to change. So I definitely feel like even if it didn't happen now, it would have happened at some point soon because enough is enough. Definitely. Um, and I mean, I do hope that this is going to lead to a long-term permanent change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A big bug and then everything dies down and we all go back to normal. Um, but I think um, if we just go through the title, COVID-19, Frodo's Police Brutality, Racism, mm-hmm. I suppose we start with COVID-19, because um, mm-hmm. you were just about the lockdown, the effect it's had on you, how it's actually mostly been a good thing. Mm-hmm. And, and to be honest, it's been the same for me. I've been working from home, so nothing's really changed drastically, other than me not having to commute, which I don't miss at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's actually been quite a good experience for me too, but I think we need to recognise that there are people who have really struggled as a result of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, fortunately, um, most of the people within our community that are black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think... Sorry. Oh, sorry. sorry. No, I was going to say, I think for me it's been, uh, it's been interesting because at first I think I felt like you guys was like, hey, I'm at home. Uh, well, actually, that's not true. I was never at home. I could, I carried on working throughout. I, I still have nothing really changed for me apart from the fact that I had a bit more reduced hours. Um, but I still had to do uni, even though I was at home for, and I didn't have to commute to uni. So in a sense, that was nice. But it was actually harder because I think I don't, I don't, I do not enjoy online studying at all. Mm. <laughs> like I, I. I the more I do it, the more I detest it. Oh gosh, yeah. So the I I found it really hard staying focused and preparing for my exams. Like I'm so grateful to God that I'm, it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was good. It was hard in that sense, but it was good that it gave me more time to do other things and just really sit down and be like, what do you actually do with your time? Mm. And then start to make sure that my time was effective and productive. So it was it was two ways for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. I, I do agree with that. I think for me, like for me personally, I have really enjoyed working from home because even when I was at work, I always was like, this whole nine to five, five days a week thing, it's just not for me. Like I actually... I just hate working full time and I know that sounds a bit crazy but honestly that's like my truth and I feel like working from home just gave me more freedom to be able to like I said connect with new people with it's made me able to like focus more on new projects even do webinars and things like that during my lunchtime um instead of going I don't know to the pub or something like that yeah but then at the same time like you said Nola I do 
appreciate that it's that's not been the case for a lot of people like yeah. a lot of people actually have lost their jobs a lot of people have been furloughed a lot of people they really are struggling so I definitely am grateful for the fact that I'm in a place where I feel the way that I am but I'm not um undermining the fact that you know a lot of people are really struggling during this time and like you said um it's a disproportionate amount of BAME people that are struggling um and a lot of black people are dying because of this um coronavirus so it's all it is all crazy and I mean I don't know what do you guys think about that because I feel like it's such a hard thing like when a virus is killing a certain group of people is that down to racism or is it just oh that's just how it worked out do you get what I mean well, that, that's the golden question, because I saw some silly comment on social media the other day where after the report was um, released, finally, I mean, the government took its time, but uh-huh. and somebody said, oh, so what, the virus is racist? And it's like, how dumb can you be? The virus <laughs> isn't racist. No one is saying that. The virus doesn't have any feelings. It's not something that, you know, mm-hmm. specifically attacks certain people on purpose. Mm-hmm. Unless you look at the wider theory. range of factors yeah. and do something about it. So BAME communities are more likely to live in urban areas. They're more likely to live in overcrowded households. And if you're closer to people, not social distancing, you're more likely to catch it. Mm-hmm. More likely to have deprived areas and more likely to have jobs on the front line that exposes them to the risk. Mm-hmm. So nobody's saying the virus is racist. People are saying that there's different factors that come into play and it's affecting black people and other minority groups more because of those factors. Mm-hmm. And we want to know what the government is going to do about it. Yeah, Because I've heard people trying to say, oh, it's genetics, it's because black people are more likely to have hypertension, obesity, but that's not going to... In the report. It doesn't add up because we've got yeah. people from Nigeria. So many people that I know in Nigeria and the pandemic never got to those heights there. Mm-hmm. And that is a large black population. Mm-hmm. So, you know, rely on lazy things like that. Like, oh, yeah, they're more likely to have this disease or have that disease. Mm-hmm. And I think also, if we want to, like, go really deep into it, yeah, like, stuff like systemic and institutional racism kind of plays into the fact that you know more BAME people are in these urban areas more BAME people are on these frontline jobs like let's call a spade a spade I'm not being funny yeah the virus is not racist but racist infrastructures that have been created they play a role here and I think this is why people are doing this Black Lives Matter thing as well and also aside from all that I also forgot to mention that BAME people are more likely to face additional barriers when they actually do get into hospital, for instance, due to cultural and language differences. Mm-hmm. So they might be harder to express exactly what's wrong with them, explain how they're feeling, mm-hmm. which then means they're not being treated for the correct thing, or it might take a longer time for them to actually get the correct treatment. So everything comes into play. Yeah, um, I think it's also um, the fact that there's already we already start at a disadvantage. So. Um, someone in a much um, affluent area, affluent life, will will probably not go to the NHS and go to a private hospital. They already are starting off with just mm-hmm. better healthcare, whereas we, um, the BAME community, then have to take the breadcrumbs that's left over, and just try and survive on whatever healthcare is left for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then it's almost like, is one thing one you're more likely to get the disease, and two. Um, going to get help for the disease you're already starting a fair disadvantage anyway mm-hmm. yeah, that's very true and just to highlight advantage because I've heard some people trying to downplay this but there's nothing to downplay the statistics speak for themselves mm-hmm. um, if you've not read the report yet please do 
but um, the report shows that in 100,000 people, 649 black males are likely to get COVID and that's compared to 486 black females. But um, compared to their white counterparts, which are in the 200s for both male and female, you can already see that difference. And black males are four times more likely to die from COVID and black females are three times more likely to die from COVID. I just specifically looked about the black statistics, but the statistics are quite alarming as well for Asian groups, mm -hmm. particularly Bangladeshi people. They were two times um, likely to die compared to everyone um, from COVID-19. I found that quite surprising when I was reading the report. Um, I didn't know yeah, I was surprised, I but I was surprised. <laughs> mm. yeah. One of those things, it is surprising. And it's like, we did talk about this, you know, at the start when we initially saw that, you know, BAME people were more affected. And I'm not even, I'm not trying to belittle the fact that, you know, there's things like systemic racism and so on and so on. But do you feel like in any way that BAME people could do more? Like, I'm, like, do you know what? Yeah, I don't even want to say no, I because No, I get what you mean. I get, like, yeah. You feel like they could do more in terms of like, taking it seriously from the outside. Yeah, because I think we, we also need to acknowledge the fact that when COVID first became like a th became a thing, when it was just more, when it first started, mm -hmm. um, as a community, I don't think we took the seri seriousness of it. And even if we did, mm -hmm. I think our reaction at the beginning to the pandemic, would, to the virus was, what's the best word for it? It took a while. It took okay. a while for us to as a community, again, not to like stereotype or group everyone into the same brackets, mm -hmm. but um, if I remember like the tweets and the jokes that was happening at the beginning, it took a while for everyone to be like, actually, let's be a little bit more, um, mm -hmm. let's pay a little better attention to it. And I also think that we need to recognize that in BAME communities, we tend to have bigger families. Yeah. Um, and we live, so social distancing isn't really social distancing when you live in a family of like, more than five six plus yeah um, it's yeah. not like you have a room to yourself or um and think of asian communities where they still live with their grandparents um yeah. not to say mm. that like black and other um communities don't but you hardly see you hardly yeah. see yeah. such yeah. big yeah. families yeah yeah i was just gonna say jane i think you're right about like the tweets and the stuff that were initially coming out and mm -hmm. i feel like people within the millennial age group yes. were, you know having their jokes laughing mm -hmm. but I don't know if I would say it's the same for older black people because I did um, feel as if my mum and dad were taking it fairly seriously from day mm -hmm. one so you know they'd be they'd be saying to me oh be careful and I'd be mm -hmm. like oh there's just all the news that they're just you know saying everything yeah. but we still need to live our lives so mm -hmm. I think I have a sense of being quite um no I think I, I, quite sort of invincible. I think anything that happens we just kind of feel like oh whatever but mm -hmm. I necessarily a black thing because I feel like as well um people I'm, I'm not really on Twitter anyway but mm. aside from I think other groups on Twitter we're laughing about the virus young people that are like uni age um, or just graduated age were just out and about doing what they'd usually do yeah mm -hmm. but I think um as you are right I think a lot of older people will have taken it a lot more seriously but the young because the younger people didn't 
they were more at the, at the beginning, you know, when the stats were like, it was more like older people that were more likely to die. So younger people weren't taken into account yeah. that, yes, I may not die, but I am likely to affect someone that will. Mm. And I think that also played a part into it. I think that's like the message that the government put across, isn't it? Like, that's what they were saying. Yeah. Like, you know, these are the people that are high risk and so on and so on. But I think I, I do get what you're saying in that it's probably like younger generations that weren't taking it seriously. But I know quite a mix well a mix of people I can share two stories like there was one recently actually before the lockdown like um restrictions were lifted a bit my sister was telling me about this guy she knows that was throwing a block party in Peterborough like and I was like what the heck there was loads of people there she saw loads of people on her snapchat that attended this party and it's like guys this is even before the whole Black Lives Matter thing started so it was literally like Mm. for fun throwing a party when, you know, COVID-19 is about. And another guy, I remember um, more towards the beginning of lockdown, this is like one of my neighbours, like there's quite a few old people where I live and he's just one of like my mates. He's always like, oh, hi, how are you? Like talking to me. He's like a Caribbean guy um, and he's just always telling me his stories. And at the start of lockdown, he was saying to me how, um, (laughs) he was like, oh, I just got back from London yesterday. And I'm thinking but we're in lockdown yeah so he was like oh from london i was like oh right really and he was like yeah like we're being strict there um how if you're out with more than two people or whatever you get arrested and then he was saying how oh actually like his friend was telling him that you know coronavirus the way to do it is not by covering your face because the virus goes in through your ears so all you can do is take ginger and lemon and this and i was like there's a lot of different yeah. remedies mm. in inverted commas <laughs> flying about at the moment. Are people drinking bleach and stuff? Oh, are people drinking bleach and stuff at the beginning? No, guys, <laughs> I actually have a funny story. Um, you guys remember when I started um, fourth and roll right at the beginning of um, the lockdown? Mm-hmm. And I got a call from a family member and they were like, apparently Shea Butter will um, save you from COVID-19. So basically I should like start my business a lot quicker. And I was like, I don't understand how Shea Butter, like what are you going to do, eat it or put it on your skin and it won't touch your skin? But I thought it was really But I feel like that's quite a normal thing in, you know, um, I don't even like saying BAME, but I do feel like, you know, Black, Asian minorities, we tend to have these, like, herbal remedies and stuff to just, you know, heal things. Because, I I mean, and a lot of the time, some of this stuff really does work, but I don't know if it's quite the same with, you know, coronavirus. I mean... Mm. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I don't quite think of the but yeah, um, aside from, you know, the way that we reacted to it, what would you say your feelings are um, about now that we are sort of easing out of lockdown and when we were at the height, actually, when we realised then initially that black people and an ethnic minority were dying more and that a lot of the workers um, that were dying, frontline workers, were from black and minority ethnic groups? Mm. I'll be honest, like, I, when I heard that statistic, I wasn't really surprised. And the reason I say I wasn't surprised is because I just feel like, this always seems to be the case like it always seems to be black and minority people that are worse affected by something and I just feel like 
even that in itself is alarm bells ringing. Why is it always this group of people that are being affected by something like this? Clearly something needs to change. And that's kind of how I felt about it. And then on top of that, when I started hearing stories about how, you know, BAME um, NHS staff, they were being put into different wards where they wouldn't ordinarily be and they were more on the front line. Again, it didn't surprise me. And I just feel like the fact that I'm not surprised is quite bad as well because I feel like a lot of other people won't be surprised because these are the kind of things that Black people, that Asian people face on a regular basis. But Yeah. And do you know what really then literally just ang- angered me so much? So we already know, for instance, I've got so many people that I know that are in the nursing yeah profession like black women and being nurses it literally just seems to go hand in hand so I know that a lot of people will be on the front line but then when I was seeing you know coverage of oh our brave NHS oh workers there was just I, white I, people women. that was so annoying and they just actually yeah. whitewashed it yeah it was absolutely ridiculous no that that bit was I was actually like because I am um, for me I thought it was so hypocritical because I remember Brexit and I remember people complaining about how ethnic ethnic minorities and immigrants are coming to take your jobs and I was like literally when like I started seeing all of those pictures I was like I didn't know there were so many white people that had jobs in the NHS because y'all made it seem like you didn't like you couldn't get a job I'm not sure if you guys heard about what they were doing during lockdown. Apparently, there were a couple of planes, even though they were meant to be on lockdown, oh, yeah. a couple of planes you know, over overseas workers to come and pick oh, fruit. I, I and that. I'm just thinking, why don't you give it to the people who keep complaining that um, they're taking their jobs? No, but guys, seriously, that job is so beneath them. Why would they oh, go pick fruit? Exactly. They don't even want these jobs that they complain that other people are taking. The thing is, yeah, what I find that it's always the people that complain that are not even willing to put in that hard work. And I remember when this whole Brexit thing started, I know we're not here to talk about that, but when it started yet and the way all of these um, like farms and factories, they were struggling to get workers because obviously, you know, you're not over anymore. Yeah. Gosh. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And I, I think that, you know what, that actually goes and touches on the whole um, systematic racism. I know we, we haven't touched on racism yet, but it's the um, subconscious superiority complex that it seems to go across the board that, mm-hmm. because the jobs we were complaining about were the office jobs. So, you know, like the doctors, the nursing, the accounting, that kind of jobs that do That you need the qualification then, for. It, no, but then they wouldn't have to... <laughs> No, I mean, it's true. And I personally feel like there was a lot of propaganda going on when, you know, when the whole Brexit campaign started and mm-hmm. that really tapped into, you know, this class of people who genuinely believe that people are still in their jobs. But like you said, Jane, the jobs they're complaining about are the jobs, you know, like surgeons, doctors, nurses. I'm not being funny, but if you are somebody that has those qualifications these roles they actually need a lot of people to do these jobs but if you have the qualifications then i don't see why you know immigrants will be still in those jobs like let's be honest the people that are complaining about you know immigrants coming and still in their jobs they don't maybe they've just got a couple gcse's not to generalize i know everyone's different (laughs) yeah maybe they've got a few gcse's and they're complaining that doctors are coming over and still in their job hun You've not even done your A-levels. You can't, like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Come on. 
I feel like a lot of people jump onto the propaganda and I feel the media is so responsible for a lot of the misinformation that flies about. Um, and even during this pandemic, I feel like the media, you know, they've been very tactical in the way they've presented certain things, just the, you know, blatant whitewashing of the NHS profession um, as a clear example. And also, I just want to touch on other frontline roles, such as transport workers. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know if you guys get the tube a lot in London, but I used to get it pretty much every day to get into work before lockdown. Mm -hmm. and any tube station you go to, it's majority black people with the ticket barriers yeah. um, working on, as drivers. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought it was really bad that um, during the lockdown, they weren't really being given PPE. And that actually links into Belly's case. Um, she was a transport worker. Um, one that was spat out and died and we've been told there's no further action that that is so, disgusting sorry to cut you Lala but the fact that they said there's no further action and it's absolutely vile because that policeman like it's I know he's a policeman I know his job technically puts him at higher risk or whatever but his life is no better than hers and he didn't that's die. exactly what they're telling us that his life is more of value he, yeah he didn't die Die. I don't even think he got Not the illness. I wouldn't want him to die, no. but he is alive and there's been repercussions for the person that spat at him. So why is it not the same for Belly? What we have been told is, I don't know if you two have seen the official statement that BTP released, but they did release an um, official statement because they were getting a lot of um, questions about mm -hmm. this incident. And they said that they've reviewed the CCTV, there was no clear evidence of spitting. But what I find really fishy about it all is... This CCTV footage, we can actually demand to see it um, under the Freedom of Information mm -hmm. Act. And I think a lot of people have put in requests. Yes. Also, if there is no evidence of spitting, I don't know why they wouldn't just have released it to show mm -hmm. that. And I find it strange that both Belly and the lady that she was with said that this man spat on them. I don't see why they would lie about the incident. Um, and the lady that she was with, she also got coronavirus. She luckily didn't die. Yeah. But why would both of them, it just seems like a coincidence, both of them said this person spat, both of them got coronavirus. <laughs> so what really happened? I, think, I don't think we know the full story. No, we don't. And also they've said that there was a test that was done um, and the test proved that he didn't have coronavirus. But I need more specifics. I need to know when this test was done. Was it done in a way that we would know that on the actual date it happened, the 22nd of March, that he didn't have coronavirus then? Because it's just all very fishy to me. Yeah. And also, I believe every time that the, you know, the public tells us about, because the initial autopsy that was done oh, for George Floyd said that apparently he died oh, of potential So how do we know that this isn't some warped test that they've um, you know, basically done that says, oh, he's negative? How do we know oh, we can believe but it? But you know what? My oh. issue is is why was Bella Belly still working? Oh That's my, my first issue. Because she should school. not have been working. No, she already had health issues. And already, like, all the people who have underlying health issues should not be working on the line. Come on. And she had told her employer about it and she'd told them about how she was really worried, she was really scared. So I do feel like BTP are, you know, doing a cover-up because they already know that it links back to them. Yeah. Let this happen in the first place so to avoid any sort of responsibility i thought that's why they've shut this case down they're trying to sweep mm -hmm. it under the carpet but it's not works the case has been reopened because be. people are demanding answers we need to see mm. the footage we need to know why they um, got to that initial conclusion because it's just not adding up for me at the moment i just yeah, don't understand not, um and i think if it doesn't add up and they won't charge the guy they certain they certainly need to charge her company for um oh god what is this word i'm looking for Negligent. Negligent. That's the word. Thank oh, you. Lawyer come free. Yeah. And do you know what? <laughs> do you know what? Even if the guy doesn't get, you know, a prison sentence, the fact that he 
which is always got true, guys. He didn't even get a caution. Yeah. Okay, let's say based on their test that I don't believe that he was negative. Spitting on oh, someone is still an exactly. yeah. oh. no. So why didn't he even at least get a caution for that or a battery charge? So what I'm allowed to just go out now and be spitting at people? <laughs> No, it's true. It's actually true. And obviously, you know the case where it was the police officer that was spat at. It's so clear as day why that person was arrested and why they got the consequences that they did and the person that spat at Belly didn't. Because like you said, spitting at someone is an assault. Mm. Let's just even take the fact she died out of it, which is the biggest thing, but that's what they're relying on. They're saying that it didn't cause her death. Okay, let's say it didn't cause her death. But the principle mm-hmm. still remains. Mm-hmm. There should be some sort of repercussion for this guy. He's just out there Spitting walking. on people, idiot. No. It's absolutely... I think for me, that was when I really opened my eyes and thought. Because when I compared it to the other cases, okay, I know they're police officers, but that to me doesn't mean anything. Human is human. When I'm seeing these clear differences in the way these cases were handled, it's just making me realise that there is real mm-hmm. miscarriage of justice here. And a lot of people, you know complained about it people that have been through the system themselves but just you know seeing this one because I was following this case quite closely just seeing it firsthand I was just like this is ridiculous how can they even justify but there's this no justification and this is the thing what I've noticed is that when you're a minority in you know a, well when you're the minority and you're shouting about something and you're sh- saying something you're trying to explain something to somebody even like if you explain it to like let's say you know, the majority, they are all going to confer with each other and be like, oh, what do you think about this? But they all think in the same way. So this is why it's so important to have people who are minorities and why it's so important to have diversity and inclusion for people at more senior levels so that it's not just, you know, the same people conferring with each other on a matter that they can never experience or understand themselves. Exactly. And, you know, I don't, I hate to play devil's advocate because I wouldn't wish this on anybody else, but I just, I'm struggling to think that if this happened to a middle class mm-hmm. white lady, that this would be that. We both and... know what the answer would be. We both know that the past, like, like, there's no point even trying to compare because we know the results mm-hmm. are very, very, very different uh-huh. if we replace, and even sometimes, mm-hmm. like, let's not even replace her with a middle class white lady. Let's replace her with something that's like an animal. Mm-hmm the response would be still very different. Oh my God, you know what they're like with their animals. So it's like, so now I'm like, so you care more about animals. And that was the same comparison um, John Gray made when he was talking about John um, George Floyd. And he was like, you know, a lot of people are making their statements that, you know, this is like an American issue. And he was like, but had it been an animal, it wouldn't be an American issue, it would be a worldwide yeah. issue. You see all the animal rights activ- activists um, come out screaming down the street so why is this now uh, an american issue like it's, it just isn't and that's what makes it really in some ways like scary and sad it's actually true yeah mm. and do you know what that literally the first thing that popped to my mind that is the case with um, that amy cooper lady and the yeah. guy that was um i feel like the reason that case the thing is with same like this you can't always prove it but I do feel like a large part of the reason that case was so swiftly dealt with is because people were so concerned about the dog that she was holding. Yes. And the way she was dragging that dog, mate. Mm-hmm. It caught a lot of attention. But the thing is, yeah. I don't even feel like it could not have caught attention, though, because look, like, come on, the way she was pulling that dog, guys. 
<laughs> I know that's no part of it. And you guys know I'm a dog lover. You know this, yeah. But really mm. and truly, like, that it was just so blatant, though, that that dog was being strangled as well. I know that's not, like, the main part of what had happened. Yeah, but mm. even at one point, the dog yelped, you know? It did. <laughs> so I'm not laughing. I have to be completely honest. I love the dog Paula and I actually want my own dog one day, but when I was watching that video, I didn't even initially really realise that oh, my no, dog was yeah. commenting about it. I did not. I didn't. I just, I was, for me, I was like, wait, because my first question was, what is the point of 911? Yeah. Like, it, don't you call 911 like, for emergencies? That's what for emergencies. Why are you calling 911? Because you're being told what. And I, did you guys see the other video of the guy that went into the gym and said, oh, calling 911? Because oh, so I was like, wait. Like, 911 is for emergencies, not to call um for black people that you don't think they should be where that they should be. Evidently, 911 is for oh, people's no, speed dialing. But this is like what they do, though, because. When I think about calling the police, even in the UK, because let's be honest, they do similar things here. But I like when I think of calling the police, that literally would I, I never it's ever the crossed my mind to call the police about any situation. I can't lie, never. Thankfully, I've not been in a situation where I've needed to because for me, it really no, is for exactly. emergencies. Also, like another thing, yeah, like you know, in uni when house parties and stuff get locked off, I guess I can understand why people call the police. But even if that was me, yeah, and I wasn't at the party and people were making noise, it still would not cross my mind to call the police. Honestly, yeah, I'd probably think another yeah, neighbor will do it anyway. <laughs> but you know what the thing is, people usually call the police when, so say when house parties are happening, they'll go stand next to the house party and be like, "It's making oh noise." But I'm like, if you were six houses down, it, like how do you know you still hear it? I remember um in our third year of uni, Laura had a house party for um her twenty first birthday, which was actually a lot of fun, and then. It was right so good. At end, yeah, right at the end, um, the police came and they were like, "Oh yeah, we've had sixteen calls." <laughs> like, <laughs> sixteen calls. Like, I was thinking, "Oh, you guys, single times come." It was perfect. We're literally wrapping up. Everyone was leaving by the point they arrived. So, I think yeah, I was a bit cheeky to them, but nice. I didn't really, really care. <laughs> <laughs> talking about that guys probably best to then lead on to police brutality so obviously what's happening in america were finally as a whole world i'd say retain attention to it because these things have been happening for years one of the first high profile cases that started off the old black lives matter movement was the mm. trayvon martin case and the guy george zimmerman is still out and about walking through he saw the gun that he killed um, Trayvon with. He's um, suing the family for millions because they've apparently ruined his life. That's a whole other case that gets me really angry. I think the fact that he's it. even got the audacity to now go and sue the family that you killed their son, that's disgusting. You, you're not even right as a human being. That's what I think. He's too cocky. He's too cocky. Like, he knows he's walking free, but that's not even enough for him. Now he wants to torment that family and take money from them. But don't you think that... that um, that again is it shows white privilege because do you know what though? Oh, he's not fully white he's um i think he's oh half black and half latino got to be joking. no because i watched an interview with his parents um this was before the trial and they were talking about how their son is a good boy and they really feel for him because there's a witch hunt and um he's scared, blah 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 and 
that his dad was wait was it his, no actually i think his mum is um mm-hmm. afro-hispanic and his wow. dad was white wow. makes him still black latino mm-hmm. and white right because yeah black afro, latino and white so like mixed okay yeah yeah but you know um that's like you know jocelyn hernandez she's like um black latino she? so she's black but she's latino Right? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so he, I guess, mm. as well, is mixed race. But even still, like, I don't get why you would now sue that family because you're obviously doing it for attention. And why would you sell well, a gun as well? Sell a gun. And yeah, it was an auction. He sold it for oh about a hundred thousand dollars. And think about the people. Think about nah, the people that disgusting. bought that. Gun. It's probably the kind of people that um, shot down Ahmed Arbery as well. No, yep. that's really, really sick. I just think people in this world are actually insane. And it's so sad because it's like, you can fight for justice and say, you know, this and that. But some people, you genuinely cannot change their mind because of just the way that they're wired. I know. Some people are just never going to change. And I feel like with certain things, we have to realise, okay, we're not going to change this, but we can change this. And we have to focus more as well on people who are growing up at the moment. And I do think there are definitely changes being made. And I have to say, it's not all doom and gloom. Like, I feel like the response that we've had so far, based on what's been going on, has been largely positive. Mm-hmm. And it's just no, really I definitely positive. think it is good to see. I feel like, um, for me, it was a pleasant surprise because I feel like this is the first time where I'm actually seeing um, people who are not Black advocating for racial equality. And I think that's really amazing to see. And I think some companies have up very well and they're really supporting their black employees they're really creating a space for people to have these conversations whereas others need work (laughs) talking of that um i thought maybe it would just be good for us to shed a bit of light on what our personal experiences have been with the places that we work and what we think they could have done better what they've done well yeah um i think for me i i think i've already shared with you guys yesterday I had a nice, pleasant um, call to check in. Um, I would, I will say though that um, my line manager, I think she was able to do what she did because of her actual life experiences. Um, so that put her in a position to have the response that she did. Um, I think if your line manager is someone that that don't even see the issue to begin mm-hmm. with. That's the last thing they're going to think they should do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, she reached out, just like, in light of all that's happening, um, how are you feeling? Is there anything that you feel like we can do, that I can do to support? And I was like, yeah, actually, I want to start looking at policies mm-hmm. because that's w- when we start talking about solutions, I'll go a bit more into it. But I think sometimes we join saying jobs for figures and we don't look at the policies and the company ethos and all of that, um, I think they're just important, if not more important. So that's... When you say policy, Jane, do you mean like the HR policies, like the staff handbook? Yeah, like um, all of... Not, if not even that, if that is important as well. Both the, I work in... Um, you guys know where I work. So I work and there's loads of policies as in like even such things as in dress code, um, how you can have your hair, uh, how you dress in public. Um, loads, there's loads of policies, but I think especially policies within HR and within how your company will govern certain issues. So if you were to report a microaggression, 
how does the com- how has the company dealt with it in the past? How is it going to deal with it now? Because how they've dealt with it in the past was a precedent for what they continue to do. Um, if the company says that they oh they talk about diversity inclusion, is it just reduced to Black History Month? Because at that point you're just taking yeah. the box. Um, you know all that kind of stuff that we really need to start looking into because I know that a lot of people feel helpless. Like okay, I post on social media, I, I attend a protest. What can I actually do to um, bring some change? And I think that's something we can all start Definitely. doing. And I think people who are scared to have the conversation, like not to you know be mean about it, but I kind of feel like you need to get over it because these are conversations that you had. Like it's gonna be uncomfortable, but you know this comfort comes change like everyone says change happens outside of your comfort zone so if you genuinely believe in change and you genuinely want to have change then you need to put yourself in an uncomfortable position and have that conversation I just feel like I mean I don't know what it would be like from a white person's point of view a black person about the racism that they may have experienced but can you imagine being a black person that experiences progress and racism on a regular basis how much more uncomfortable it for them so I think you know we kind of need to get over this whole oh but I'm scared or oh, I don't know what to say and just have the conversation mm. I agree with that but what would you say on the flip side where a black person feels uncomfortable because perhaps the place they work at never really yeah. fostered open discussion they might have yeah. experiencing issues at work they might actually be the newest person in the job they might be the youngest yeah. person who just recently yeah. graduated and a lot of the times as well they might be literally yeah. the only black person because I do feel, you know, white people and other non-black people tiptoeing around it need to just think about the experience for the black person that is 10 mm. times, if not more, harder. And they shouldn't really have an excuse. But there's a lot of black people who wouldn't yeah. have said anything mm. in their companies. And I, I don't know if they need to, depending on what circumstances they're you know, facing. Because I think as well, as black people, we can put yeah. too much pressure on ourselves that we need to do this, we need to do that. And a lot of the times you actually just need to put yourself first and just not be selfish but think about your end goal as well your um, well-being your mental health and I don't want young people fresh out of you in a new grad job the only black nurse to feel like oh I've been terrible I've let down the black population I've not done this because as young black people as well I feel like we just have so much pressure on ourselves and it's for counterparts it's just oh just come in do a good job that's what you're worrying about but we're also worrying about these other things at the back of our mind and the way I see it yeah I feel like um that I definitely get where you're coming from and I actually personally think the way everything is at the moment that it shouldn't have to be the black person that brings up the conversation especially if you're just starting out in the role I think you know a manager should be the one that takes on the responsibility to have the conversation with everybody not just the only black person like really and truly the owners shouldn't be on the only black person in the company to speak up to say something but I think with me personally I'm in a place where I'm like well I don't care anymore. I'm just going to say how I feel. So me as a person, if I feel like something's not right, I'm going to speak up about it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, if you're the only black person in the company, you need to do the same thing. I think if you really feel like something needs to be changed, then maybe find somebody that you feel comfortable confiding in that maybe has, you know, the confidence to speak up or maybe has the the power to, you know, make some kind of change. I think that could be a good way to go about it whether that's your line manager or a mentor or a sponsor or whoever in your company. Like, it's just small things that make a big difference. I, I agree with you guys, and I really agree with you, Lola. 
but I think I was thinking about this like nobody should feel pressured into addressing a conversation you're absolutely right and sometimes you just want to make your bread and go but I was thinking about this and I think as much as if I walked in and I was the only black person I've just finished like with all the examples that you gave um, obviously I'm not that anymore but I was thinking about the fact as uncomfortable as it may be as annoying and as frustrating as maybe that I have to bring up this conversation I am a bit more as and as scary as it may be I'm a lot more scared that 20 years down the line my daughter or son is going to come to me with the exact same issues that I faced 20 years ago and for me I'm like okay and this is just me myself and I I'm not trying to put this on everybody else but I've got to a position where I'm like as uncomfortable as scary as these places this being in this position may be when I bring up this topic and the fact that it's annoying and frustrating that I have to bring up this topic, I'm going to do it because I don't want to look down 20 years and see the exact same thing happening and for me. So I'm like, hey, that's the reason why I'm going to do what I do now because God forbid 20 years down the line, my daughter comes home and is facing the same microaggression I did. Like for me, that's not that's not going to happen. Yeah. So that's what that's my reasoning for going out of being uncomfortable mm-hmm. and like why in 2020 mm-hmm. do I have I to think... do this but that's the cards I've been dealt with so I'm gonna play and play and win mm-hmm. I think a key thing you said as well was like at this point so for someone who might be struggling at the moment listening to this and thinking oh I don't really mm-hmm. have that courage I think it's a real build-up because when I started at work I've never really been someone that's shy but the way I act at work now and the way I acted, I'd say my first six months or so, mm-hmm. are two very mm-hmm. different things. And you need to gauge, you know, the kind of people yeah. you're working with, the sort of person that you can speak to for certain issues. So it's, it's, yeah. it's all a journey. And I just, I, I feel like I mean, there's been a bit of them um, shaming people that haven't mm-hmm. done this or that. And people following a formulaic way of, I must post this, I must post that, I must say this, mm-hmm. I must do this. And it, in that way, like, it's not rigid. It has to be, I think personally natural it has to be something because you want to do it it's not because of pressures and it has to be something as well that is coming from the heart mm-hmm. because that's when it starts mm-hmm. to lose value uh, obviously all, all of us standing together doing something in uniform is good but you should really be doing it because you feel you're going to actually you want to make a difference and yeah because you no, want I to. definitely agree with that but at the same time yeah I feel like if these conversations aren't actually being brought up, whether by black people or white people within the workplace, then actually people are actively avoiding it because what you're telling me then is that you don't discuss, you know, the general news or current affairs at work, which I don't believe. And I feel like if these topics haven't been brought up, then why not? Yeah, it should have very bare minimum have been brought up. I don't personally I don't know anybody who's worked somewhere where it's not been addressed whether it's an email whether it's some person talking to them everyone that I know who's in work that has at least been brought up I hope this you do you know you don't know anyone that the company has um, even brought I, up no no one that I know personally I did ask one of my other friends just today what her company's doing about it but she's she hasn't replied to me yet um but I don't anyone hasn't I think if they yeah. haven't brought it up then that kind of really says where they're at with it that makes me want to ask a question do we feel like it, i i saw a lot on social media about you know your silence says a lot and, the, and i understand where people are coming from but a part of me was also like if someone isn't speaking up 
leave them to not leave, like leave them because one they could be doing something that they feel the need not to share you know we live in a society that just wants to share a lot mm-hmm. i'm a sharer like i'm not trying to belittle mm-hmm. anyone for sharing i feel like i'm personally a sharer mm-hmm. but not everyone wants to do something and then make everyone know that they're doing it so it's okay mm-hmm. and two if you have to tell someone to care before they care then you have to ask yourself why like is that going to produce any actual substantial t- uh-huh. change? And two months down the line, are they still going to give you that same uh-huh. energy that they're giving you right now that you've asked for? I definitely... Do you know oh, what? Like, I, I, don't... Oh, sorry. I forgot what I was going to say now. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Let me know when it comes back. But it was more the last bit of what you said about if they've not done anything before you said anything, does that mean they care? And I kind of get where you're coming from, but some people genuinely are very mm-hmm. blind to mm-hmm. other struggles. And to be honest, um, my sister's um, friends with someone from mm-hmm. Palestine, and she was saying that she's really happy about what's happening with Black Lives Matter, but she hopes that people start to pay the same attention to what's going on between Israel mm-hmm. and Palestine and Palestine essentially being on lockdown and the conflict, because the way the media presents things, and I do think the media has played a big role in this, and for once they've actually brought it into the forefront of mm-hmm. what we're watching, what, what, but the media has, they're like a puppet master. They, they're pulling all the strings. And what my sister's friend was saying was she just hopes that it does the same for them. But I'm just thinking of someone who, I'm not making excuses, someone who maybe just really uses Instagram, Twitter, doesn't mm-hmm. really watch the news, um, they're following certain things. They're not following, you know, yeah. activists. They're not really interested in that. Their friends aren't black. They're, they're not really mm-hmm. tapped into anything that we do. And then when someone actually has a conversation with them, then they think, okay, you're right about this. And they start to become more open-minded. And, okay, their care might not be as passionate as mine as this is actually directly that I worry about and affects me day to day because I think of oh, family, if I have a son, is he going to be pulled over by, by the police? Is he going to be dragged mm. into custody and not treated properly? But are at least opening their minds like a seed? I don't expect them to be at the forefront per se, but I feel like if somebody who hasn't cared before it doesn't um, mean that they can't no, care later. But I was speaking more of the big brands. Um, that like pre-loafing fashion over oh, okay. and um, there was one more brand that got called out by Jackie Einer and literally as soon as um, she called them out they, they posted one rushed post yeah but that shouldn't be the like, case because I feel like especially brands like that who really profit off of black culture they should from the mm. fashion over like that's such a big thing in America I know and thing I think everyone kind of wears it here but so yeah. Like, yeah, they should be I, doing something. So I was like, well, why? And you know what? Even if you get called out and you really care, you'd be like, okay, guys, we've been called out. How do we go about this? Not one rush Instagram post that's like, here, yeah, true. You've got what you want. Like, that's how it was like. It was like, okay, here you go. This is what you want to see. Okay, now can you shut up? That yeah. was kind of like. See, and I think that's the problem. Like, for me, because when I've been seeing certain companies putting out a message I think do you know what yeah this is great when I saw it like obviously everything had happened and it's like okay cool you've put out this message that's brilliant but now what what are you actually changing within your company what um, policies and procedures are you putting in place to actually you know make it a more diverse and inclusive workspace and I think the thing that I was going to say that I forgot was that I'm definitely at a place where I just don't even feel like I want to explain myself to people anymore. And I think if 
by what I say on social media or by what I share or like how I express my feelings to you if you genuinely don't get it at that point then you need to do the research yourself because I'm not here to be you know teaching every single person I've, I've had enough I'm sorry I'm not I'm not going to be um saying why you shouldn't be supporting this I, I saw a really good post on social media yeah and it, I shared it on my story and it said something like um Oh, hold on. Let me find it. I actually have to just say it properly because it's so true. And I just, oh, great. I've gone onto the wrong account. Ah, oh, hold on. <laughs> but I have, I have a follow-up question while you look for um, right, calls. Um, oh, sorry. Let me quickly say it because I don't want it to change and bring back. Yeah. So it says, why is ending racism so controversial? Like, why is there so much disagreement? And it's true. Why is it controversial? Mm yeah and another thing i saw as well is um why are you so more moved and feel so vocal about looting but you don't oh, feel right. so moved and vocal oh, about police not brutality in the looting argument <laughs> do you know what i hate when they start using these mlk quotes oh, as if they even gave no, a damn you know when he was alive and they're twisting yeah. what he's saying like mlk yeah he did say um, no, they're like, oh, he never did a riot. But he also mm-hmm. says riots in the language no, of the unheard. I think people pick and choose what MLK said. But even aside from that, um, when MLK was peacefully marching, yo, it didn't, a lot of things did mm-hmm. not change. The change, the civil rights move, um, change that actually happened, happened after you mm-hmm. killed him. And the riot, the riots that happened afterwards, six days after those riots, if I'm quoting correctly, is when the laws began mm-hmm. to change. So for me, I hear a lot of people be like, you know, I'll protest all you want, but this is how it should be done. And I find it really, for me, I'm like the audacity for you to be the oppressor, but tell me, hey, I know that I made you angry, but if you want me to listen to you, you need to tell me in a manner that I am willing to listen. Like, how dare you? It's like literally telling someone that is the offending. Mm-hmm. Feel, feel, it's like... And let's not act like riots yeah. are a new thing. Just in France, um, I don't know when they finally stopped. There were riots going on for like mm-hmm. 12 weeks plus. I remember it was on the every day pretty much. So, you know, something specific just to the way they've really tried to portray it as a, oh, you mm-hmm. know, black people going out there okay. looting. Mm-hmm. We've had we've had riots and mm-hmm. everywhere. It's not just no, no, actually it's only a small minority of people that are even rioting and looting like the majority of protests are peaceful mm-hmm. but you don't see those covers you don't see those peaceful covers all you see is the covers of the looting mm-hmm. and the rioting and i also um i yeah. see like a lot of people be like you make uh black people look bad it don't make nah. you look bad but this, like, it's like why <laughs> Did anybody say that about the Paris right looting? This is what I hate about if one black person does something, everyone does it. Why does one black person represent every single member of the black race? Like, come on, we're not one thing, like, we're all different people, just in the Mm. same way that all white people are different, all Asian people are different. Like, come on, Mm, yeah, but it's because I think it's it's, until they change the way that they say, but you know what all of this our topic especially that we're talking about i feel like has highlighted so covid19 police brutality and racism um all it's doing is flushing out what we've been saying for a very very long time this is not new to us Mm -hmm. at all and i hear a lot of people be like no police but this is police brutality it's not racism and i'm like okay let me try and dumb it down for you if the apple fruit 
that's getting rotten are you gonna be like okay let me just fix this apple fruit that's rotten no you need to fix the like the tree the roots of it and the root of police police brutality exactly. is racism police brutality is the fruit that we see out of the tree mm-hmm. of racism if you can't make that connection and then i'm like okay we as as a community as black lives matter we have a bigger problem because before we can change the problem we need to let yeah. them know what the problem is and that sets us back so much but then another I've seen as well, it's like someone said to me, but why, how can black people fix a problem that they didn't cause? And I think that's why it's so mm-hmm. important that like people who aren't black are actually advocating for this as well, because you guys are the ones that are going to be able to make the change and well, as well. Um, and I think one thing that I've seen is like a lot of white people contacting their black friends or their black people sending them messages and mm-hmm. videos, you know, showing that we're part of this or whatever. But then when I see that, I think, yeah, that's absolutely amazing. I'm so glad that you're aware of what's going on. But share that with your friends. Mm-hmm. Share that with your family because black people are not the people you need to be telling about what's going on. We know. There are some black people you need to tell. Oh, well, that's that's that be because that's their problem. If they want to be ignorant to what's going on, then good luck. <laughs> Wait, what black person no, doesn't know what's going on? Like, so, um, so there are some black people that will bring up the argument of, but black people, oh, black people. Oh my god! Black people that would be like, yeah, but we don't oh. care about our own community. Um, oh. You know, there's, I, I see oh. at a time because there's already you know a lot of um mm. concepts in the um community that oh we should really be you know more mm-hmm. um together we're too divided and it's like at times like this where everyone's really together in, solid- in solidarity mm-hmm. and we're actually pushing for something a common goal then you get you know these one or two people that need to chip in mm-hmm. and give their you know amazing insights nobody is discredit this is what i've never understood about this argument nobody is discrediting that mm-hmm. there's black on black violence that there's black gangs i've seen so many um people commenting from america saying oh but in mm-hmm. chicago um over the weekend there was a um, gang killing that killed 26 people da, da, da. and it's like okay what happened to those gang members they get arrested they are dealt with mm-hmm. by the justice system the reason we are talking about this and it's at the forefront is because these people are not getting any justice. These police officers are mainly getting put on admin leave, being paid, and then just walking away free. So don't tell me about gangs. That Obviously, that is a problem, but that is not the major problem here because we know that when that happens, the people, unless they know they manage to escape, they're going to be found, mm-hmm. they're going to be dealt and with. And can we also they're going not to forget prison. the fact that, you know, the majority of crimes that take place the people who commit the crime and the people who are the victim tend to be of the same race because we're in closer proximity with each other. So it kind of makes sense. The reason that this is so problematic, like you said, is because firstly, justice is not being served. And secondly, black people are disproportionately affected. I don't know how many times it needs to be said. Yes, more white people are killed by the police because white people are the majority. So naturally, there would be more of them getting killed. But it's disproportionately proportionate for black people I don't <laughs> compared to the amount of the population oh that they are <laughs> of I th- you really no, need to break it down like, sometimes no how you break it down 
um, and that's what I wanted, the question I actually wanted to ask about having conversation with people. And as much as I'm like, hey, we need to be able to have uncomfortable conversations. We need to be able to break, like, um, get to the bridge, you know, all of this. There are some people that I feel like are not worth conversation purely because they don't come to have a conversation to learn. They come to affirm what they already believe in. And I, I saw a comment. I, yeah, that's how I'd approach it though, because there's no way I'm going into a conversation with somebody on the other side telling me that no, this is what yeah. we should be, um, you know, focusing on. No, talk about police brutality. My mind's made up. You can't tell me that I shouldn't be worried about police. I'm um, thinking that it's okay for them to go into Breonna Taylor's yeah. house and just no, shoot I mean, her while she's sleeping. <laughs> talk, you can't. Like, when we talk about Black Lives Matter and some, I'm going to have to say this very peacefully. Someone then be like, "But all lives matter," and I'm like, oh, "Okay, God, but." How do you tell me all lights matter? And you can dumb it down. And I mean, break it down like I was breaking it down to a kindergarten child. And they still will not get it. And at that point. But is no, that because they don't I, get no, it, they Jane? Because it. they're just trying no, to. They're, at that point, you're choosing to be willfully ignorant. So that's the kind of stuff I'm like, I can't have a conversation with someone that is choosing to be willfully ignorant. And then it's like, um, so. I'm like, those people, we need to just leave them where they want to be and actually have conversation with people because there are some people that genuinely want to learn. I saw a conversation between two people on um, Instagram and when I first saw the person's comment, I rolled my eyes and I was like, at this point, I was hit block. But luckily, the girl had patience. So she carried on um, conversing with the person and eventually at the end, they were like, they, they both came to the middle and that, I saw that happen. But that's someone else. But for me, there's no middle with this. I'm sorry. There's no middle for me to accept that police brutality doesn't disproportionately affect black people and that a lot of the times when they do these things that are wrong, and yes, they can the race as well, but when they do do these things that are wrong, there's no justice. No, no sorry. The like, example I was given is what... was based on someone bringing up the whole black and black people thing. And he was highlighting, he was, so he was the, what's the person? The other person on the argument side was highlighting the fact that a lot of people are fighting this um, crimes, but with the whole rape culture in Nigeria and like other African countries, no one is speaking up. And the girl was trying to point out that I'm not discrediting that these are issues, but I can only speak up on what I know. So I'm speaking up on that. So you bring in this here. I'm not trying to say that what you say, your point that you're making isn't true, but I can't speak up on something that is not at the forefront of my, the society that I live in. You need to understand that I live in the West. So I'm going to speak up on Western issues. And if you feel like this is also an issue, an issue then you need to address it and bring it out. And the people will know because people can only talk about what they know. So there you can find a middle ground. Obviously you can't find a middle ground on police brutality. That conversation has ended before it started. Uh <laughs> but do you know what I don't get about that person that's talking about rape culture mm -hmm. in Nigeria? If something is getting attention, yeah. why do you feel the need to then bring in something else that you think should be getting attention That's instead of just you, like, why does it take something else getting attention for you to now want to be speaking up about that? Why haven't you done what you could have done before to really, you know, mm -hmm. get it to the forefront? Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, one person can only do so much, but why does it take something else getting the attention it deserves for you to be like, well, what about this? Sometimes people actively want to just go against what is happening and I also feel mm -hmm. like 
when it comes to things like, you know, racism and things that affect black people, it's it's always like when you're trying to do something positive for black people, that people come and say, what about this? What about white people? What about these people? And I'm just like, but why, why is that the case? Like, I saw um, an interview mm-hmm. by, you know, Dr. Shola Moshogrami, is it, I think that's her and and she said that she made a really good point and it was like you know when it comes to things like racism you hear people say oh reverse racism or whatever but you never hear people say things like reverse anti-semitism or reverse homophobia so why when it comes to racism Mm -hmm. they're now reverse (laughs) that's so true oh don't even let's not even go into reverse racism because that would be a whole other topic because like, we get, okay, that, you know, homophobia is an issue. So people are doing stuff, you know, for gay rights and all of that. And saying with racism, you don't see people saying, oh, yeah, well, what about us Christians? What about us um, Muslims or whatever when mm. it comes to anti-Semitism? Do you know what I mean? But when it's black people and when you're trying to start, I don't know, a black empowerment movement or you want to set up um, a black society in your uni or in your workplace, all of a sudden, well, what about a white society? What about... Um, a white empowerment. No, oh, I, do you I mean the society like, we live in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's just a play on words. <laughs> no, I can saw. I saw the. I saw a tweet. A tweet the other day. The girl was like, you know, I don't understand why people keep saying, you know, the black community, the white community, the Asian. We are all just one community. And the girl was like, okay, so oh my we have the god. Old people I'm actually no, done. And I think, um, oh. no, I think I know, one thing I have realized is when people say there's no such thing as white privilege or there's no such thing as privilege, full stop. And I'm like, okay, if you don't understand your privilege, the things that people are worried about in this crisis, in this pandemic, in this Black Lives Matter movement, in this protesting, some people, a woman's worry, I kid you not. Do you guys um did you guys see the John Boyega um races that um races that tweet that went viral where he specifically yeah. said and I quote I effing hate ra- white uh-huh. racist people everybody seems to miss oh, out the racist gosh. part and then suddenly they were all like what? Uh, I was like wait read the sentence and it's selective sites selective the hearing they love to do it so we go on chain. No, sorry. She her comment was, "Oh, like I really like you. I really support you, but I don't. I can't believe you're using like this choice of language. Like my son sees you as a role model. And it's like somebody's life, somebody is dying. People are fighting for their lives, and your care is the choice of language that he has used because your son listened to him speak. Talk about your privilege." But he said it. He said it on his page. He was like, "I'm not here to be a role model, no, though." That, no, but I, I'm trying to point out the woman. Like she was, she's she's someone that will blindly say there's no such oh thing as privilege but in a in a situation where people's lives are in like what we're talking about people losing their lives and you're, the thing that you care about is your son picking up bad language nah, that's your priority uh, like that's actually what you care about some people just stormzy like when and um, that att- att- and ask him if the UK is still uh, racist. And he was like, yeah, definitely it's still racist. But then one magazine twisted it to say that um he said, oh, you know, the whole of the UK is racist or something like that. And it's like, yeah, I just don't get yeah. that. This is oh, what yeah, I mean about the media. I think who owns it. Because one thing I've really realised more so 
lately is actually they really do try and control the narrative and there's certain um you know news channels and media outlets that they really just push their own agenda because one thing i noticed is that a lot of um the news channels that i was watching weren't actually even reporting on black lives matter the things that were happening in the uk they were just making it was only in the us but there was other channels mm-hmm. that actually they were having conversations yeah. with people in the uk asking why um you know it's happening in the uk as well and it just goes to show that you know you really do need to kind of cast your net wide and look at all the different outlets that are out there to get a well-rounded opinion mm. I find that the UK loves to gaslight. Um, America has its own issues, but I don't think America can even pretend. There's nowhere to hide with them. Like they are more open. I think that's just the way they are as a people, yeah. more generally. Whereas Covert. British people tend to be more. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? It kind of reminds me of when Malcolm X was talking about the. Because you know, in America, when things were really bad before mm-hmm. civil rights um, bill, everything. Um, there was quite a divide between the north and the south and the south was seen as the more mm-hmm. racist country and um, the racist part of the country and the north was seen as the more tolerant mm-hmm. part but he said that the north is actually worse because with the south you know mm-hmm. what you're facing but with that friendly north it's like they you know slither up they make you think that you're safe and then yeah. bam whereas when you're in the south you're already you know on edge you're prepared mm-hmm. But they're up north, mm-hmm. you're not prepared. And that's how I see the UK. I feel like the UK, yeah. they want to lull you into this false sense of security. And just seeing the coverage, the very selective coverage mm-hmm. I've seen on the news, pretty much next to nothing breadcrumbs. You know when they just do a quick segment at yeah. the end? And you know they do things in priority order. So the fact that mm-hmm. it's at the end says vol- um, speaks volumes, mm-hmm. then like I said, some have literally done nothing. I've not really seen the news channel or just any coverage where it's like at the front of what they're discussing that day that week if sources but i've not seen anything and also the gaslighting so you know how we were talking about just um, let's go when people say but what about so lee rigby started trending around the time that black lives matter started trending and you know with lee rigby i don't know if you remember him um he was the guy that was killed um Mm -hmm. in woolwich by two black muslims and I just thought, hmm, what a coincidence. Black Lives Matter is trending, everyone's talking about it. Then all of a sudden, Lee Rigby's trending and they're talking about, oh, but what about him? And what about um, what happened to him? And it's like, his family has to put out a statement this week and say, can you please not use Lee um, for any political reasons? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want to respect his memory. And I found that so telling that that's uh-huh. when it suddenly blew up about Lee Rigby. Mm-hmm. And to me, just it speaks so much volumes about the UK, and not everyone in the UK is the same. But I do find that there's this generic way of you know trying to sweep things under the carpet, and that one oh of their favourite lines is, "But we're not like the US." And it's like, okay, so that's like me being you know someone who's let's say I'm a burglar, but I don't commit as many burglaries as um X. Maybe X does a hundred burglaries, and I do fifty. And then when I by the police, no, I'm like, yeah, but I don't do as many burglaries like as that. X. I feel like, I don't like get- you, you're a burglar, yeah, and X is a burglar. But the thing is. Um, X gets caught for more burglaries, but you just get away with more. That's literally what it is. So you're doing the same amount of burglaries, but one is getting caught. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. Yeah, and X X burgles in a more maybe he's more open about it. Like maybe he doesn't yeah. more daylight, yeah. but but I'll, I'll do mine Look, in the guys, bar. I actually connected to like two crime laws yeah but the one so you know Queen of oh, South. I love Queen of um, South. What's up? So we've got Theresa, and what's the other Camilla? one? What's her name? The female. Camilla. Who? Yeah. 
Camilla. So Camilla is obviously the person that Theresa learns her tricks from. But then, yeah. But then Theresa, um, she becomes bigger. Yeah. She's a bit more like overt mm -hmm. with what she's doing. So then Camilla is like, oh, but mm -hmm. you know what I mean. So it's like, so the, mm -hmm. because we need to mm -hmm. like the US is they they embrace people that yeah. are in. Yeah. So yes. I'm like these these are your people. <laughs> They're your people. So don't. They're your distant cousins, so it's almost like. And did you guys see the interview where the woman was like, "Oh, but do you feel like you know?" Um, it's what did she say? I want to. I don't want to misquote her. Oh, you're talking about yeah, so, the poet and that yeah, lady, and she made it seem mm. as. Oh, and she said something about the legacy really of slavery. Because I was like, the Commonwealth no. countries that exist today, it all comes back from that British Empire, which was basically going into other people's mm. countries and stealing their land and stealing their people too to sell to other people as slaves. So don't don't come and say the UK is not the same as the US because you know our police officers don't carry weapons and the legacy for slavery is different. Like, come on. And she reduced. Please killing. tell me what the difference is with the legacy of slavery. That is what I'd love to know. Oh, because because you know it was the British people that started saying, "Oh, you know, slavery um, should be stopped. It's not right." Da, da, da. Um, I can't remember the guy. The guy's name. I really can't remember his actual name. But he was for the the oh. other side of. Um, no, he was a British guy. So um, he was. I know this because I love history. But he was the. Guy, so he was all for in support of stopping slavery. However, because Britain still needed cotton, he they put money towards the other side that wanted to keep slavery. But then in public, he'd be like, "I'm totally against." And also, you know, when they inverted commas abolished slavery, we been paying for that up until 2015. Mm -hmm. UK taxpayers have been paying for the bailouts that the slave owners got. Mm -hmm. David Cameron's ancestors were included in that. Yeah. They got um, bailouts that are equivalent to about millions of today's mm -hmm. money. That didn't stop until 2015. Um, HM Tax and Revenue put out some silly tweet in 2018 um, saying, oh, did you know Friday facts? So that's what slavery is reduced to now, Friday facts. Did you know that the UK taxpayer helped to pay to abolish slavery? Let's reword that statement. Did you know that after slavery was supposedly abolished, the slaves actually continued to work for six more years for free and UK taxpayers like me, you and you have been paying for the bailouts that were given to the slave owners, not the slaves, the slave horrible. owners. Exactly. And the thing is, yeah, they will never even consider, you know, paying rep reparations to the family of slave owners or anything like that. They never would. And in fact, that really should have been what the no. payment was for. No. Paying reparations to the slaves who now need to, I don't know, maybe go back to their country if that's what they want to do or stay here in this foreign land where already it's bad enough that they're slaves and let's say they're now set free. But obviously they're still... Um, segregation, so there's only certain places they can even go. They can't even establish themselves as mm -hmm. people. But no, you're paying the slave mm -hmm. owner. No, but you know, up until 2015. Yeah, slavery. Five years ago, freedom isn't free. Uh, we need to remember that freedom isn't free. Um, because if you remember the Haiti um, gov Haiti government that overthrew the French, they had to pay them to gain their independence and i say those in inverted commas like haiti it's um 
they fought and had the revolution, but it didn't come free. The freedom didn't come free. They still had to pay France to leave them alone. <laughs> Ridiculous. Even, even saying I, it out loud, it just sounds so absurd. I know, like, <laughs> I'm not going to enslave you anymore, but in order to do so, pay me 21 billion. Hey. That's how much they pay. It's just no, it really is. And it's, it's actually embarrassing that they still have the nerve to say something. But you know what? Yeah, I just feel like maybe we can't even blame, you know, certain white people for saying these things because what is taught in schools is that, you know, Brits were kind of like saviors going into these places, discovering land. Like, babe, there's people in this discovering <laughs> how do you discover <laughs> that someone lives on for Columbus you discovered America so what so what do the Native Americans do then they come up with the land they were living on what do you mean discovered <laughs> and you know what that always baffles me when I see in American news or even like um, in American news where they're like you know, go back to your country, go back to your country. I'm like, okay, so you're coming back to Britain, yeah? We're both getting on the plane because you, like, you're not from here. Like, let me remind you where your ancestors are from. It's not this land. Like, let's all pack up. Let's all get on that plane. This is why I feel like it's so important that actually, you know, we, we push for education reform as well because, like, in school, really, what is taught about black history? You're only taught about slavery. And I'm not saying they need to change, you know, the whole curriculum to only be black history. But I feel like, can we talk about, you know, some black kings and queens that reigned? Can we talk about, you know, that are not going to be... <laughs> You know, when you're the only black person in the class and your teacher's saying, oh, I'm so sorry for what my ancestors did to yours. It's like, that's like, why are you doing that? It's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> guys, speaking of um, black history, um, have you guys noticed how because of COVID, all these new hospitals are being named after Florence Nightingale, but we don't hear oh, paper about Mercy Hall. Wait, they're naming um, hospitals after I, I don't know if the hospital itself or the hospital ward, but yeah, it's all about Florence Nightingale. Um, nothing about Mary Seacole. Like I told you, the selective memory it comes into play. It's very and you know, even places like you know where they have like um, war heroes, statues of war heroes, even war animals, they have statues of. But any black soldier, do they have a statue? No. And black people played a big part because obviously, like at the times of war, I think you know, colonisation probably already had happened. Like, do you know what? My history is quite bad, but I'm going to say colonisation already happened. So they called on these countries to come and fight. Even, like, the Windrush generation, what about all the people that came and mm-hmm. to help build your country? Mm-hmm. And you can't mm-hmm. even have one statue, but for a war dog or war horse, there's a statue. I don't know. What's a war dog, though? You know, the, the dogs, the, the dogs that, like, um, they, take, they take out for war. <laughs> So, I'm done. Um, and like the horses that they ride on because dogs actually play animals actually play like in important part during war so they sniff out the dogs they sniff out like the mines the elders kind of do you know they, like we they, said earlier yeah, animal lives it's so funny art. yeah because like I decided to do a quick research and they've got one one ward after Murray Cole. Oh wow! That's How many are there in total? I'm um, just trying to search as well. Cool. Already, I know that's bad, <laughs> mate. <laughs> anyway, sha. <laughs> so basically, calls to name. Well, I think this again. 
Um, wow. Calls the name COVID-19 hospital after emergency call to honor BME nurses. A petition had, let's, I'm not even going to finish this. A whole petition had to be signed in order for this to happen. What, for one more? <laughs> So I'll read it out loud. A petition to name the second field hospital in England after Marisico has been launched to recognise the inspirational nursing figure as a beacon of hope and diversity for the country. With, with the My first temporary hospital in London named after Florence Nightingale, those behind the appeal want to oppose the unit at NEC Birmingham to be called NHSCO. Why, why did a petition have to be signed in order for Mary Seacole's work to be acknowledged? Look, like we said, never heard one. We never heard one thing about her at school, but we heard a lot about Nightingale. Honestly, I feel like um, I heard it once because I studied history particularly. Yeah, I remember I did. I think I learned maybe one thing, but that's probably the only black other than slavery in secondary school that I can even remember. But I think it's a matter, like we said, of them basically valuing animals over any other race that's not white yeah. that's really how it goes so basically the 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 graph goes white mm -hmm. animals and anybody that can assimilate to white Mm -hmm. <laughs> because I was trying to go on the list and I was like no it's just whoever assimilates to mm -hmm. I think it's like it, 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 white animals miscellaneous <laughs> miss, miss. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. What's the solution? What, what is what is the solution to all the because we have addressed oh, issues? What are I don't solutions? think there's one solution. I think it's oh, a range no. of things. So yeah. I think already what we're doing, we're on the right tracks. So like we said, trying to change policies within places that we can. Mm -hmm. Having open conversations with people that are willing to listen. Mm -hmm. um, I think social media is so doing a thing. As much as I think there's so many issues with social media, I feel like it is helping towards the cause at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, and also there's, you know, different things that we can donate to at the moment. There's the BLM, which seems to be the main one. And then actually let me get the let me get the picture up. If I go off my phone, you guys won't hear me. No, okay, talk about yourselves. But even well, like supporting black businesses, I think for me, like my I don't know if this is the right way to go about it, but this is my personal focus. It's more on um, creating a stronger community as black people. So mm -hmm. I definitely want to be more proactive in buying from black owned businesses. I want to be more proactive in us like building up this movement to really be something that, um, you know, changes generations. That's what I want it to be. And I mean, like I said, anyone who's not black that is you know advocating for change that's absolutely brilliant but my personal focus is going to be on uplifting the black community and hopefully getting change like in reform that way that's really what I think anyway yeah um I think for me I think I've already like touched on it but for me I think I, I want to start looking at um, actual policies because when we talk about systematic racism that's the policies we're talking about mm -hmm. so we need to start addressing um, policies that have been there that haven't been touched for years um, mm -hmm. we need to actually start attending um, our community um, what's the word our community um, meetings and actually see yeah. what our mayors are doing what our representatives are doing what's actually being you know taking to um 
was being taken to the government. Like we need to be a bit more involved in our community. And not to say that we aren't, but I put my hand up. I don't think I've ever attended um, one community um, gathering. I actually don't think I have. And that's like, how am I going to know what's being passed if I'm not attending those things? So that's something I just want to become a bit more involved in. Um, I want to, because I think every company now has like, you know, diversity and inclusion like session that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually want to go through that and be like, hey, this is this is just wishy-washy. Let's actually have conversation. I don't want to sit here and listen to a presentation yeah. that talks about stuff at what everyone knows. Let's actually sit here mm-hmm. and address why we have the prejudice that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, those kind of stuff. Um, I think that's uh, um, great. But I think for the person that's like, okay, activism, because I think activism is put in a perspective that you have to be you know, out there being the Malcolm mm-hmm. Mexican being you know the Martin, the Martin Luther King being the Colin Cup I can never say his last name properly so I will not butcher it um who's that um Colin the guy that took a knee oh is it Colin Kaepernick or something yeah yes oh right yeah like not all of us are to do that and to show our activism but if it's just having that one conversation with just that one friend mm-hmm. or not even honestly just being able to have some simple conversations Mm -hmm. just being able to like actually something that you said Paula consciously um spending your money wisely because you know that's one of the topics we wanted to talk about how the black pound only stays in the black community for six hours like that's Mm -hmm. That's shocking. Absolutely. That was actually the US dollar, so it's probably worse for the pound. (laughs) I think think what makes it so bad is the fact that other communities, it stays in there for weeks. And it's like... I checked the other day. So it stays roughly, this is approximately, it stays in the Asian community for approximately a month. This is the black um, dollar. It stays in um, the Jewish community for approximately 20 days, stays in the white community for approximately 17 days, and it stays in the black community for approximately six hours. That's just disgraceful. I'm sorry. (laughs) Come on. Like, it's really bad. Honestly, like, it didn't even last 24 hours. Honestly. It didn't last a day. So I think, again, we need to address, obviously, as it's a movement, we're doing a lot of that. We need to talk about the poverty mindset. We need to actually have conversations about money mm-hmm. and how to build money, how to invest. Because mm-hmm. if we don't know how to do that, the money's always going to land six hours and then disappear mm-hmm. again. But I do um, I think it is a matter of, like, even if, like, you're, you know, because everyone's goals in life are different, but it could be something as simple as, like, rather than buying, you know, your your shea butter from um, Boots, you can just go to fourthandraw.com, owned by a... Uh, you no, know, and support in that way, you know? If you to buy shea butter, I will question where that shea butter came from. Honestly, but this is the thing, because I feel like... There are certain things, because I know, like, you know, I've seen people say things like there needs to be more diversity in black businesses, which to a certain extent I agree with, because, you know, it's going to be much harder for me as somebody who doesn't live in London, especially, to find a black plumber. If I've got plumbing issues, stuff like that, it's going to be more difficult to find. So I agree that there needs to be more diversity. But I do feel like in certain areas, you know, we can start just like you know there's a lot of hair care brands skincare brands are owned by black people there's a lot of platforms like jammy for example that actually advocate for buying black so there Mm -hmm. is stuff out there and i think we need to be willing to 
go the extra mile just to do you know those little things for our community mm-hmm. no it's true um but yeah i am i was also thinking like as i was saying like when we now begin to apply for jobs not everyone is going to be um someone that starts a business we're not all poorer some of us are gonna be and i think it's okay it's okay to work in a corporate world yeah. um, the world is different for a reason but i think mm-hmm. when we start applying for jobs like for me if i was to apply for a new company i need this uh, the money the money's important don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but we're so busy chasing money that we're not looking at the very nitty-gritty of the of what we are becoming the people that we're making partnership with because um i don't know if you guys were aware of the news something that it happened a couple of weeks ago before this whole pandemic and everything is um bereavement leaves in the civilian world like it was three days the woman lost her son and she could only actually take paid leave for three days um and that's like something that not many people are aware of like a lot of people are not aware of um, how much leave you can take if you lose someone in your family paid leave that is mm-hmm. um, until it happens to you um a lot of people don't know the poly the company policies and the law against um un- um employment should you get fired um until it happens to them they don't know the laws around negligence and what the company should do for them if you're in the front line um if you're a frontline person that's working like all these things that we tend not to know until it's too late mm-hmm. you know so i think those are things we need to start really 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 paying attention to before we become part of the same company yeah i definitely think it comes down to like making sure a company is aligned with your morals because that's actually one thing that i try and actively do now because when i think about my life purpose i really want everything i do to be aligned with that purpose so if i'm going to go for a job role or something i'm going to look at the co- the company's ethos is that ethos in line with what i want yes like i, I mean money is important because i'm not going to go for a job that pays me less than i get now but i need to know if the company's ethos is there like are they actually diverse that's something i'm going to be looking at more now as well like is diversity and inclusion important to this company because i don't want to be in a place where i feel like i can't even speak up about how i feel so i think it's really really about being conscious about you know the different things that we do i'm sorry guys but i don't quite agree with some of this i feel like some of this is coming from a very privileged place Mm -hmm. Um, i'm just putting myself in the scenario of um, a recent black graduate who maybe wants to go into journalism which isn't a very diverse um area mm-hmm. and i can't see that person being offered a role and turning it down because it's not very diverse and the company's ethos isn't that good i think sometimes we need to step back and think about okay it might work for me but that doesn't work for everyone that's black and that's another thing as well i think all black people need to stop being tarred with the same brush i, I just i don't think i don't want listeners hearing this and thinking oh um, the next time I go for a job, you know, even though I, I need this role and I need to make money, because like you said, money is not important. But for some people, they're paycheck to paycheck, they're, they're, they've got dependents, they need the money. They might be a recent new graduate. There might be someone who's just been made redundant. There might be someone who may have experienced something due to COVID and they're trying to get back on their feet. So I, I don't judge anybody who's working for a company that isn't necessarily in line with their ethos but they're doing it to make their money yeah i think i don't judge anybody that works for a company i think but for me personally now moving forward because i have worked with companies that you know i don't really agree with the way they do diversity and inclusion Mm -hmm. but i think for me personally moving forward that's what i would want to do but i i get it i mean everybody hasn't got the opportunity to 
choose those things like if they need to just get a job they need to get a job and certain industries it is hard to find those companies that are genuinely diverse diverse like you said because I mean things like journalism media is very white it is yeah, but, uh, yeah like oh no sorry go on I know someone in that industry yeah, and mm. the place that she works she is the only black person there it's a small company mm-hmm. but yeah she's the only black person and mm-hmm. I don't think that's but we need to do what we need to do to get to where we want to get to yeah I, I I agree to a certain extent but I think if we I'm not saying don't get your bread because you know this is important no you, you need to eat you need to put food on the plate but I also feel like if I want change then I I need what I'm trying we, we all want change mm-hmm. and you where you where you start off you're not good this is a journey you're not going to stay there forever at some point you're not always going to be that new graduate that's just got a job and you just you're going to move on hopefully everyone is moving forward in their life so at some maybe at the beginning what you needed was the money yeah but are you going to tell me like 10 years down the line is that still what you're going to need um that's what i mean some people have been working all their lives pretty much i mean i'm talking about people that are much older than me maybe double my age and Mm -hmm feel pretty much very depending on money like that's what their job comes down to i know a lot of agree and i think in the black community especially um looking at statistics we are more likely to be in insecure Mm -hmm. employment okay but then you think we need to all and then that's also something that we need to tackle mindset um that we don't want to be the black community that is uh, 10 years down 20 years down like 30 years down the line is still working paycheck to paycheck that's that's some of the changes that we also yeah, need to see. Right. Oh yeah, definitely. That needs to that needs to change. Yeah. But whilst people in that scenario, I don't expect them to. No, definitely. Start. I don't. I don't expect. I, I when I first joined the company I work with, I was eighteen years old. That was not this conversation we're having here was not part of my thinking. Mm-hmm. But seven years down the line, if I was still thinking as an eighteen year old, I then think that's a prob- that's problematic. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. But I, I think that. Sorry, that you have a certain circumstance, which means that you can develop. I'm talking about certain people that have got dependence on relying on them. I have like, dependence on them. I do think that we need to remember, that. but it's not we have choice. But you don't have any children. That's what I mean. No, but I don't have to have children to not have dependence. We have choices, and I think we need to be a bit more accountable. I, I, I definitely agree with what you're trying to say, um, but. I, I agree with you but I think it's just a point, bit generic at the moment because it's like oh I joined this place when I was 18 and now like I'm older and I've grown and that doesn't mean other people haven't grown it just means they don't have necessarily the same choices available to them they're, but, they're, they're working to support their family but I think do you know what it is I definitely get what you're saying as well like you know everyone's circumstances are very different and the way, because I was going to say, oh, yeah, like, I get what you're saying. Like, when I started, I was in a very different place, which I was. Like, when I started, mm-hmm. I wanted experience. So I worked anywhere. And then also, you know, you have different life circumstances. But I do feel like we have choices. And by saying that we have choices, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, um, if I now have children here, I'm just going to up and leave my job. I think mm-hmm. more a thing about, like, if I have children now, when I apply for my next job, I want it to be something that's actually going to help me develop as a person. And I said I would never go for a job that pays me less than I'm currently getting now. And I don't feel like that will change. 
Um, but I feel like, you know, when we actually apply for roles, we can choose where we want to work. I think to a certain extent, you, you can definitely choose where you want to work. I can choose where I want to work. Jane can choose where she wants to work. But I just feel like in general on social media, and I don't want to play into any of that, like you feel like social media, oh, um, if you're living and you're working nine to five, you're doing this, like get up and change everything. And I'm not saying that you can't do that, but I just feel like there's too much of this, oh, you know, painting one certain brush to people and then it's like people that aren't um, doing that feel like oh have I really failed was I meant to do this was I meant to do that and I don't want people listening to this and thinking oh I can't afford to you know look through a fine-tooth comb to see what policies are where I'm working because I'm literally genuinely just hoping that I can keep this job and mm. I've got to rely on me you know day to day. I think ultimately it comes down to like what it is that you want as a person because I do think social media does that thing quite a lot where it's like are like you know during this time of COVID-19 you need to be hustling you need to be grinding or whatever but it's like well not everybody actually wants to have a side hustle or not everyone Mm -hmm. wants to have a business not everyone wants to do that and that's actually okay so I think um yeah it really comes down to what it is you actually want as a person and then based on that that's what your decisions are going to be based on because like you said I mean if you want to be more focused on providing for your family and because of that you don't want to leave your job then that that's what you want as a person and I feel like that's what it comes down to yeah but my question is is I I get what you both saying um uh the question is then if you don't want it and someone is telling you there's a possibility to leave what's that person done so wrong I understand your day to day life. I don't understand. What no, I'm trying. I, I understand, understand your day to day life may not make the situation seem possible. But if someone is saying, if you're not happy with your life, there's A, B, C, D, E, F, G ways in which you can. Um, you need to be able to have discernment for whatever someone says on social media. And I think sometimes we put too much responsibility on what people are saying. Like I listen to a lot of motivational speeches, but it doesn't suddenly mean that I'm going to do what they do or what they say. I take what has been said, apply it to my life, take out what I can, take out what it doesn't apply to me and figure it out. So if you're going to, so let's not put too much blame on social media. Everybody has to listen and then you need to apply wisdom to what's happened. If you feel like what this person has said is not part of your reality, it's not part of your reality and that's it. Um, and if you feel like, okay, my- I think it's quite a narrow-minded viewpoint to say you can't just blame social media. I think we can say that social media does account for a lot of issues that are at the, um, happening at the moment. And nobody- or is the primary issue but I think it's very narrow-minded to be like oh social media can only you know do so much and you're saying oh I apply it to my life in this way and in that way but yeah not everybody has that viewpoint wait so if I went on social media and I like okay let's take this podcast um as a sample everything that we've said I is everyone that's listening now going to take it word for word I didn't say everyone's going to take it word for word I'm saying that social media in general has a way of saying to people this is what you should be doing, this is what you shouldn't be doing. And yes, some people can um, take a step back from that. Like, I don't watch things and think, oh, I must do this. But some people can't. And some people can end up feeling guilty. Some people can feel like, oh, I need to do this, I need to do that. I failed at this, I failed at that. And we've seen, you know, examples of people saying, oh, you know, because of social media, this happened and that happened. And it's not the only reason. Okay. And I'm not saying that, um, you know, we should blame influencers for doing this, but I, do, I feel like it's very narrow-minded to be like, oh, social media is not to blame for anything. No, oh, no I'm not saying, I don't I don't think saying. that. I feel like she said we can't 
put all the responsibility on social media, which essentially is what you said as well. I do feel like certain people are more influenced by social media, but mm-hmm. in any situation, we can't put 100% blame on anything. And I think that's fair to say. No, because the yeah, same definitely. way that you're saying that, you know, um, there are people that are doing this because of social media. There's also, social media is two ways. There's people that come on social media that say, don't let this influence you. People are only showing their highlight. So if people are showing, if you're being influenced by one side, then there's also, there's always a counter voice. Mm. So why is that that counter voice also, do you, like, yeah, there's I, two, I, I there's, what you mean. I, I feel like on social media, it depends what you follow. Yeah, exactly. So you need to check, we need to be able to check ourselves. If you can't do that, we can't have change. You can't say, but this is my relationship. Like at some point, you need to be able to sit yourself down and have a conversation with yourself, regardless of your situation that you find yourself in. And if you're always going to do because of this, because of that, because of that, because of that, then you need to ask yourself, what's your priority? And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to put my life on somebody else's but if you can't check yourself and you're always going to be like social media social media this social media that i i, I don't i don't know if i, don't I can agree with that until, that's not what i said I'll, I'll say it again what i didn't want is somebody who doesn't have a privileged position to oh let me selectively choose i'm going to work at this place because they have this policy that i support and who doesn't have that opportunity listening to this podcast to feel like they've done something wrong. That's all I said. And I didn't say that that person should feel like, oh, um, they're, they're listening to social media. That's all they're going to listen to. And that's what they're going to blame their life on. That's what I, said. But I don't think that anyone listening to what we said would feel that, you know, well, I hope that they wouldn't feel like they've done something yeah. wrong because I feel like we were sharing our solutions from what we personally would do. Mm-hmm. From yeah, from our yeah, experiences, because our... not everyone has the privilege that I have. I I understand that there's certain places that I speak from. I speak from a place of privilege, and that's what I can do. But then there are people that are like me. So people that have the choice to make that choice, this is something that you can do because there are a lot of people that make the comment, "Oh, you just post on social media. What does that do? Or you just went to a protest. What does that do? This is a solution that you could try if you are in a position to do so. Mm-hmm. If you're not, then you're not. Um, you have to take what people say with yourself. I put in I, I put in a caveat to people that if you can't do mm-hmm. this and you're literally living paycheck to paycheck and you're just managing what you can manage and you're providing for people that are relying on you don't feel guilty about that that's what I was saying and then it went on to oh you know as black community we shouldn't be living paycheck to paycheck and again that's that that's the thing I don't want people listening to this and thinking, oh I shouldn't be doing this yeah people might have things they want to change about their lives and I feel like that should be something that comes from inside you that you want to change and you might get encouragement but I don't think it should come from a place of you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that I don't know if anyone said you should well I guess yeah you know there needs to be better education I feel like there's just been miscommunication because from listening to what's been said it seems like everyone's kind of saying the same thing yeah no, I I think I say to people, you need to do what works for mm-hmm. you and what's right for you, because there's no there's no formulaic approach. There's no approach that says where you work must align with X, Y, and Z. It needs to depend on what you can do for yourself. Give a solution that I see. Um, that doesn't mean that everyone has to go do that. And that's that was just what I said at the end. That don't if you can't do that, don't feel like you need to. Um, yeah, so I think um, in terms of donations, if you can afford to donate, um, you can donate to Black Lives Matter UK, Show Racism the Red Card, Runny Mead, Stephen Lawrence Trust, and Up to Racism. 
South Hall Black Sisters and Stand Against Racism and Inequality, which is F-A-R-I for short. And also, I thought it would be a good thing as well, because I'm looking into this, um, how to be a governor at school, because governors actually say what happens on curriculums and also they in terms of like expulsions and we know that black children are more likely to be expelled from schools um so that's a good way as well to be able to make change in your community um, and also I'm a... oh no, no i was gonna say is there like an age requirement for the whole governor stuff or can anyone join um i think you just have to be over 18 okay. you have to be an adult um but i need to double check that because i didn't look at the age bar mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm. I, I just asked because I think I, I feel like all governors are old people. Yeah, <laughs> not like no time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it can take up a fair mm. amount of time. But I thought that's a good idea. Um, yeah. Mm. And then, um, yeah, appropriate adult. So pretty much anyone can do it. I mean, I went into it because I was interested in crime and legal stuff because it ties into what I do day to day. But um, anyone can actually be an appropriate adult with the right training. So that's another way as well to help um, black people because we know that black people um, are more likely to be arrested. With that role, you'll be working more with black children. But yeah, black children are also more likely to be arrested than a white child. So that's a good way to help out as well. Just to make sure that when they are being questioned by the police, that their rights have been protected. Amazing. Is there anything else? Did we say petitions? Oh, we don't no, say positions actually, and I feel like positions have actually really been effective. I feel like that's part of the reason why Betty's case was mm, really no, definitely, and also all those cases, um, like the the guy that caught, killed George Floyd got put up to second degree murder instead of third degree yeah. and stuff. I think definitely a yeah. route to go down. Um, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, I feel like that was a really um, in depth conversation. So I definitely hope that someone somewhere has taken something from it. I would say that, you know, if anyone else has any thoughts that they can follow us on social media at underscore it's a movement on Instagram and on LinkedIn it's just it's a movement, I-S-S-A movement. Um, does anyone want to shout out their personal socials? No, nah, I don't <laughs> want anyone following me. <laughs> you know, to be fair, I've only got Snapchat. Okay, yeah. <laughs> follow it's a movement, you find all of us. Yeah, that's true actually. Movement. That's a good point. Um, and you can sign up to our mailing list on our website, www.itsamovement.co.uk. But for now, I've been Paula. Oh my oh, God. No. Hey, she's starting again, isn't she? Come on, guys. I've been Lola. I've been Jane. I've been Paula. <laughs> Again. Oh, I said. I've Not been again. Paula. I can't muster the same energy, but I've been Jane. And I've been Lola. Listening to the It's a Movement podcast. 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 Oh my god, right. Oh my god. Oh. But yeah, guys, let us know what you think of our first podcast. Engage with us. Let us know if there's anything that you think we should touch on in future podcasts. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Oh, and-